Hello and welcome. I'm Joe Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. Joining Luke and me on the podcast is Elizabeth Flux. Liz is a freelance writer and editor who has been published in Junkie, Broadsheet, Kill Your Darlings, The Lifted Brow, Film Inc., Metro, Lip Magazine, Spook, and by herself on the blog she's been writing from the age of 15. She previously edited VoiceWorks, coordinated Buzz Cuts in 2012, and coordinated Signal Express for the Emerging Writers Festival in 2013. In 2016, she attended the Hong Kong International Festival, funded by the UNESCO City of Literature Travel Fund. Between all this, she drinks vast amounts of tea and tweets terrible puns at Elizabeth Flux. And that last bit, I can certainly attest to. Today, we chat about the appendix and the wonderful uses of it. Kiwifruit skin, for instance. In the media section, we chat about Mad Men, Shooter, the Netflix TV show, and The Hundred. For the topic, we talk about changing jobs within the writing industry, looking for opportunities, and making opportunities for yourself. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact me on the email mailboxthepenofjoel.com. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Joel Martin, and today we're at the Brunswick Street Bookstore. Luke is back on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. We didn't replace him this year. Unfortunately. It, tur- it turns out <laughs> that Luke has a habit of missing the first episode of whatever year it is. You did that last year, and this year you had the ripe excuse of appendicitis. Come on, oh. Luke. Show up, stitches and all. It's writing. You gotta put your body on the line. That's right. Where's that enthusiasm? <laughs> the enthusiasm of uh, general anesthetic. Mm-hmm. I can imagine all the things I'd say with that. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be entertaining. <laughs> I bet you our ratings would go through the roof when we talk about non content. Every time it does, by the way. So the less we talk about writing, the more popular we become. That's just Another the way it goes. thing morphine makes you talk interesting, too. I can imagine. Interestingly. Let's yes. say I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm probably still on it. <laughs> Maybe. Um, how does the stomach area feel? Does it feel like everything's uh, still not there? Pretty together now, I think. So the the interesting thing is, I was talking to somebody who had some surgery, um, and he was saying that, especially surgery around the stomach area, because they cut through so many like muscle and fiber and stuff. Mm. When they stitch you up, everything feels like it's not quite. Yeah, it feels like together. it's not. It's it feels like it's not being held in properly. Mm. So you can't like lie down on your front or anything because it's like everything's falling out. You're like, oh. But oh. obviously it isn't. Thankfully, it mm. isn't. <laughs> but but there yeah, you go. He, it does feel very weird for the first two weeks at least. <laughs> so right now feels good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's fine now. It's totally Solid. Now. You doing yeah. push ups, crunches? Uh, not quite there oh, yet, but. Okay. Partially. <laughs> good to hear. Well, you're alive and you're talking about writing, which is as good as we can expect. So there we go. Welcome <laughs> Three back. Three cheers. Yay. How has your week been, Luke? My week has been uh, hot and cold. Um, is that like a song? Isn't no, that a song? There, I'm sure yes. there's a song called that. I mean, there's a, like a thousand books called that as well, That's I'm sure. right. That's where I remember it from. It was the first season or second season or third season of MasterChef. And they had that as the theme song. And for our international listeners, nobody cares about the show. But I watched one season of it, and then I decided that was the end of it for me. But yes, they had Your Heart and Your Cold by someone. You just happen to remember, yeah, the song from a, a cooking Continue, show. Continue, Luke. I'm sorry. Uh, hot and cold, yeah. Hot and cold. 
So, I mean, obviously when you're getting back into work after surgery, it's uh, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it's, it's going fine. Did you and get a welcome back? Um, <laughs> glad you survived. Yeah, there were a few people who were saying, where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, nah, there, there were some people who did right. know, and they're like, "Oh, you feeling alright? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it's good. Yeah. You got the pity, pity presents. <laughs> box the pat on the head, you know. <laughs> some flowers. No, no flowers. Thankfully. That's sad. <laughs> Dodgy workmates, Luke. Dodgy um, workmates. All right. Well, as usual, we have a guest on the podcast, and today's is Elizabeth Flux. Welcome to the show. Hi, um, is I didn't realize I was not allowed to have an appendix coming here. So yes, do I have to? Yes, leave it is. Now? It is mandatory. Yeah. I'll get the ambulance. Okay, we'll get it done. All right, and you'll be back. Okay. I still don't even know if he has his. I yeah. know. I it's still there. Yeah. So, so you got to get. I'm out. the one. Who's we'll both. Out. I'll call the ambulance <laughs> for two. <Yeah. laughs> don't eat any grass because that's apparently what it was for back in the day. Or potato peels, all yeah. sorts of like outside, like tough bits of right. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So kiwi rind, you know. Mm. It'll come out, but it won't help you anyway. Man, no. now you can't have kiwi skin. Oh, you can eat it. The greatest It delicacy. just isn't going to give you the most benefit. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Oh, Who well. eats kiwi skin, by the way, here? You do. I can't understand, I can't understand why people take it off. Shall we talk about this <laughs> for a moment? Because this is interesting to me. Do you eat the like bits at the end? Like the, the yeah, no, the no, nah. knobbly bits. Yeah. They're not tasty. So you like the skin. The you skin like has the half taste. the flavor. I think I found that with apples too. People who take the peel off apples before that's they're different. Like, they're not yeah, furry. That, that's fu- yeah, that but if you wash like them, if you like, if you wash them and kind of like eating you know, an e- eating an apple with your hands, it takes most of the fur off. Eating an apple with the skin on doesn't taste like you're eating a possum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because because that that's what kiwi fruit is. Not after you've like you know washed them and oh, so you scrape. rub it off. I kind right? of rub it off, not all of it, but it's pretty much gone. Yeah, interesting. And then what? You just it just tastes like apple. Bite like into it. it doesn't taste like apple, obviously, but it has like the the texture of an apple skin. So this is very interesting to me. And it's most of the flavor. Describe <laughs> to me your process of eating it. Do you cut it? Do you take nah. a spoon and nah. scoop out? Always done this, or do you like come to this as you like got older? Well, my or? family used to you, like spoon it. Yes. Out. Okay. Yeah. That's and that's, yeah. And then I got to the point where I was like. Why bother? That's an effort. That's too much effort. spoon. Too much Drawer. effort. Washing the spoon, you know. I was yeah. just like, I can just eat it. I can try it. So I just tried right. it. I was like, oh, it tastes fine. Uh-huh. What do people cut it off for? What do you do? <laughs> what do you throw out? Like 90% of the, well, but 90% anymore. of the non-water content. <laughs> the appendix. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's not as good these days. Uh, it'll just come out instead Back of helping. Back to the spoon and the washing. Oh, no, I'll still eat it with the skin. What are you talking about? There you go. <laughs> you know if they go in to take your appendix out and find that it's fine, they still have to take it out anyway? Because if you have a scar there, they assume that your appendix is not there. So if you later get appendicitis, they'll be like, can't be that. And then it explodes and you everything's die. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm. Well, they get an extra paycheck if they take it out too, I think. So, Listeners, you came here that. to hear about literature, Appendixes. but you're hearing about... Appendicitis. All the and various things about eating kids. Yeah, like, it's like Silmarillion, but for bodies. <laughs> 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 That's true. Um, but... Veggie tales from now on. I was going to say that having Liz here is basically a full circle for this podcast, because you, Luke, were not the co-host at the time when Liz was on the episode. In fact, let's reveal a few behind the scenes of the morning bell because nobody cares about it. Hang on, is Let- this full circle or is this... Not Anyways, really. Go it's, ahead. It's a good, it's a good <laughs> phrase. Um, it's like a nautilus. Yeah. But that sounds not as good. Um, nautilus you, is good, eh? <laughs> you were in your garage in a car I was. <laughs> on an iPad 
And if you listen to that podcast now, ladies and gentlemen, it sounds fine. This, it, it's great because this car soundproofs, <laughs> the garage soundproofs the car, and the iPad has a decent microphone. Has somehow. an okay microphone, so you can never I mean, tell. I was sweating really badly, so really I, I t- imagine, terrible situation. But it's summer. Not video. Was it summer? I think it was summer. Wasn't it, it was middle of summer it in a garage in a car. So like it's your oven yeah. within an oven within a. Because Lucas, <laughs> the current, but at least it sounded. Good. The, the previous co-host could make it on that day, but we had already booked Liz, and it would have been bad form to cancel it. So I was just like, "Well, we need to get a guest. I know this writer. Call up Luke. Can you get in your car in a garage in a thirty-five degree weather?" He's like, "Yes, anything for you." It was a great episode. You didn't so. sound like you were melting at the time. Exactly. So yeah, was, Very professional. Yeah. It was. It was. It was pretty good. So there you go. Um, but we're back, and this time we're in a nice air-conditioned bookstore very professional um much easier yeah it's great to have you liz um how has your week been what have you been up to i just finished reading a little life so i guess i'm terrible but i didn't cry mm. like everyone else so i'm worried that means there's something wrong with me mm, no so, no i think we'll have that in common. i think maybe that comes later yeah maybe <laughs> very upsetting books here's a question do you do you get emotional about media fiction specifically um I've only ever, like, cried in about two books, and they've mm-hmm. both been fiction books. Movies? Movies, very rarely, yeah. I think. Because I've yeah. seen so many of them now that it's just... What about Inside Out? Inside Out, I cried Good. so much. I, <laughs> I didn't cry in Inside Out. See, see, that's the thing. I didn't like that movie. Okay. Mm. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was odd. I just didn't... So you're saying you hate emotion, is that... I mean, I didn't cry in it, so what is that? I guess that says a lot, but... Not even with the the elephant trumpet guy and the, like... hmm, What about in Up, like in that montage at the beginning? That was the... uh, When we... Oh, wow. (laughs) That that montage is considered, like, one of the best pieces of animation, like... It still gets referenced as one of Disney or Pixar's best. It's great. No, I didn't cry. Hugely upsetting. He didn't cry for that either. (laughs) What does he cry for? What do you cry for? This will take a while. I can't remember. (laughs) My girl? Like the the bees? It's probably the last time his internet cut off. (laughs) 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 Yes, I do have terrible internet. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's a good one. Um, no, I, I actually cannot remember. I, I haven't cried in a book. I know I've cried in at least two films. Um, Which of these at least ones? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Which? What are they? What are the? You know, you had. I remember I got quite emotional in the Green Mile. That that was a good movie, um, but uh, I can't I can't remember. But yes, no emotion. Anyway, continue, Liz. <laughs> well, so, so like that's a huge book. So I spent yeah. most of my week reading that mm-hmm. so yeah i can't really remember much in between it because i was sort of staying up really late to do it and also watching mad men as a counteraction so like i guess life feels real bleak now having watched mad men and read this book <laughs> so like <laughs> is there any joy in the world wow <laughs> that's a heck of a combination there um i've only watched i think like a half of the first season of mad men um so let's just sweep into the media section, take a sharp left, mm. and... To Mad Men? Because I want to hear... I have no idea what it is. Yeah, so <laughs> let's talk about Mad Men for a moment. Do you like it, Liz? Yeah, well, what actually happened was I watched it about four years ago when it first came out. Yeah. I bought the first two seasons on DVD, because that's kind of what I did mm-hmm. at uni. I'd buy something on DVD instead yeah. of studying. 
and I watched it with my parents because mm-hmm. that was also a thing that I did. We watched two seasons and it stopped and I didn't get back into it and now it's on Netflix and it's really good. Like, I don't know how much you know about it. It's set in the 60s in an advertising, advertising firm yeah. and sort of centres around this one guy who's got a mysterious background but is prodigiously good at his job but also really bad at committing to anything in particular. So it's bleak it's really good for costuming as well um it's just an interesting insight into the time because mm. all like, the big events like Marilyn monroe's death like yeah. all, ki- all kinds of things feed in to the story about other people mm. so yeah um it's worth it's, a revisit it's interesting because some people um talk about madman like it's a second coming um and i think i went into that show you know, expecting something like, um, I don't know, The West Wing or something like that, right? Um, and I went to that show and I didn't get, like, I I liked it, I think. Um, yeah, and maybe I need to revisit. Maybe I need to go back. It was it was a while. Um, you get fatigued watching it, I yeah. think. Yeah. breaks. It's not like the kind of... Like Sons of Anarchy, of, eh? Yeah, it's not the kind of show <laughs> that you can just... Wow, that was really, really interesting. I can't wait to find out about this character and his journey. It's like, uh-huh. ugh, I feel really dirty at the end of that. Yeah, you need like a break so you can read this really like cheerful book. Which <laughs> <laughs> um, you apparently did. Yeah, just take a break from like the really upsetting bleak thing and read yeah. the upsetting bleak thing yeah. and just have a great week. That, yeah, that's, that's pretty horrible. Um, that, it's weird because... At the time, Mad Men was like quite risque as a TV show because it was like, oh, you know, the, these kinds of things are being explored. Now, in today's TV, it's like, this is PG th- this is PG content right now. That's the same but for it, anything that breaks down barriers. Yeah, exactly. But now when I go back and watch it, I still find it more upsetting than the, you know, the, the horrible stuff on TV today. And I, I don't know why... That is particularly. I think it's the way they deal with it, um, deal with the themes and the the way they execute it to a point where it's as if they don't realize how terrible this all is. Yeah. And so when they, they present it in that way, especially uh, Don Draper's character, he's just not a great guy at all. Um, and I think the last episode is when he, it's his daughter's birthday. Um, oh yeah, that's the last one I watched before I revisited as yeah, well. Yeah, so that I just I was like, all right, I, I can't do this. I'm done. I'll, I'll need to come back to this sometime. In five years. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe it will take me that long. But um, yeah, it's an interesting show. I won't say it's bad, but um, yeah, it takes it's draining. It takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Well, on a cheerful note, I just went to a pinball bar and played pinball for about an hour and a half. So. Not everything so is bad. There you go. Nice <laughs> yeah. pinball arcade. Yeah. I cannot remember the last time. I've been to one of those. Probably in New Zealand uh, when I was five. It's been a long time. My only pinball experiences have been digital. No, it's entirely different <laughs> when you play like a proper it's machine. Oh, I'm sure, good. yeah. yeah. <laughs> the arcades are amazing. I've just never Especially been. Especially the yeah. art and stuff Yeah, the arcades. And because they're themed, so it like works really well. Like I played a Game of Thrones one. And it's good. You choose what house you're in. <laughs> and you can get the high score for that house. And you fight other houses. There's like a That's dragon awesome. that moves. It's just, it's great. <laughs> They, they they have a lot of artistry uh, with arcade machines. So. Yeah. You should give it a shot. Absolutely. Um, what else have you seen this week, Liz? This week? Well, there's Silence is coming out, the movie by Scarton Morsese. Scarton. Martin Scorsese, which I saw a preview of, and it comes out tomorrow, I think. And it's it's a weird one. Like, I don't know if I like it or not. It's good, but it's one of those movies that's good, but not necessarily enjoyable. Right. So, yeah. Kind of like Melancholia was good, 
but grueling. Mm. I, I I mentioned this in the previous podcast, but I saw Automata, which is the Spanish-Bulgarian um, movie about artificial intelligence with Antonio Banderas. Right. Um, that's a hell of a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> it's... It was one of those movies, you know, it was a very grueling, it's like, what if Ex Machina was even more bleak? Oh. And then, it, you know, <laughs> you have this movie. If it has Antonio Banderas, it can't be too far wrong. He's great, because it's seeing this character who's basically always funny in all his roles, playing a character who's going through the just the worst period in his life, in a, in a place that's just the worst place on earth, um, at a period of history where it's just the worst... <laughs> It can be. <laughs> is the worst of times. It is the worst of times. Yeah. So yeah, it was one of those movies, and I talked about it last podcast. So I won't go on a bit too too much. But um, the only reason I am because I have nothing else to say in the media section. So here's the filler. Um, anything else, Liz? Or um, I've seen something, but I can't remember what it was. I saw I saw a preview of Jasper Jones as well. Yes. Which is good. It's mm-hmm. like it's really good. I'm excited to see how it goes at cinemas because Australian cinema. Like, I work at a cinema as well, and people go, oh, what should I see? I'm like, oh, well, there's this. And as soon as you say it's Australian, they go, oh, no, what <laughs> oh, else do you have? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Mm-hmm. Which, cause yeah. As soon as they hear the word Australian, like, it has to be bad. They kind of categorize it. I'm like, there's a lot of filmmakers here. They make lots of different stuff. It's not all the same. Yeah. <laughs> do you say that in the same sentence to slowly trail off? No, yeah. you just sort of um, die a little bit on the inside okay. and then sell As them. they buy the next Avengers yeah. movie ticket. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, Luke, what have you seen? Recently. Um, I went onto Netflix, as everyone does these days. Yes. And I saw a couple of their new releases, which turned out to be series based on old movies. Or, in mean, one, one situation, it was movies and books, anyways. Uh-huh. Uh, but I watched Shooter, the series. And I watched, oh, I watched the, the Mark Wahlberg. I watched the Mark Wahlberg movie ages ago, and yeah. I liked that movie. This was a pretty good film. And the series is bad. It did justice to the story. I don't know if I liked all of the changes that they made just for the sake of drawing it out. Um, So is it the same character? It's the same character. Um, Most uh, a lot of the backstory has changed. Is it the same story? Yes, the same. The same story, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the. Some of the um, characters have changed. For instance, um, they've turned. They end up turning it into more like a a bounty hunt sort of turnaround halfway through. Mm-hmm. Whereas the original story was pretty much all political. Yeah. This one turned it more like you know people mercenary sort of guys trying to to get the hit on this guy who's uh-huh. a professional shooter. Um. He was married, which was a difference, and it actually worked out quite well. Mm-hmm. I was surprised at, at how well it worked out for the series. Um, uh, they did a lot of focus on like the his wife and his little daughter who were being used as like pieces in the chess game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the weird thing for me is just watching them take a, a film that's done been done mm. well and saying. Let's redo a well-done movie with eh, touches. It's it's as if they said, like, oh, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird. Let's make that a series, but make each episode have a cliffhanger at the end. And it's like, <laughs> why, though? Because we know what happens. 
<laughs> That's odd. I really don't like that. Yeah. I, it may be a good series. I'm just saying as a as the as a concept, as it's, a weird. concept it's yeah. really strange. That's really <laughs> odd. Pride yeah. and Prejudice episode one. The thing is, the BBC did a really good Pride and Prejudice, probably better than most of the film adaptations. That's because they filled it with Colin better. Firth coming out of a lake. Though. That's like, true, that's and it was book. quite good. Mm. Um, apart from that, it was also a very good sh- uh, series, uh, and it, it was it was quite good. But it, it was in that s- series where they were they weren't basing it on a movie; they were basing it. It was still an adaptation of a of a book, so it made sense. But this is an original film that is now a TV show. Shooter was still a book originally. Was it? Yeah. I don't remember the author, but it was written first. Really? Yeah. So So maybe there's more material okay. then. Maybe yeah. then there's more material in uh, the It could be book. there's another season, in fact. I just saw the wow. full season and it ended where the movie ended. So it's like, oh <laughs> you're like I oh, guess nice. that's it. That's quite neat. <laughs> So, so even if they yeah. cancel it, it doesn't matter. Uh, no, to be fair, they left the very last episode with a cliffhanger. <sighs> sort of. Like a very small one. Like, and now there's more. And then they stopped. So I was like, all right. <laughs> it didn't That's... need more, so I was fine. Mm. Maybe I'll see another season if it comes out. I wanted to see second season of The Expanse, which is just um, oh. dropped. And I quite enjoyed You haven't seen that yet, yeah. The, mm. the first season. If you haven't seen it, The Expanse, season one. Fantastic TV. It's done by sci-fi. <laughs> Who knew that they could make good TV? But they do. And th- this is the one thing that I watched, and I was shocked at how good um, this was. Very, very interesting science fiction based on uh, a couple books. And you sh- you guys should completely check it out. So, the reason I didn't come back to it is I was like, where did they stop last time? Yeah. It, it was that whole season, was it? Yeah. yeah okay. So, so it's just gone to its second season and most people were scared that it wouldn't get uh, renewed, but it did. And, it did. Um, That's so, good. That's so good on them for for giving original content uh, a shot. Have so. you been watching The 100? The, the what? The 100? <laughs> the TV show? I Let's started Let's talk it. about The 100. <clears throat> yes, I have. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you push through the first three episodes? No, he told me to, and I need to, but I've had so many other things. So I the first three episodes through. are very average, but then yeah. it gets amazing. So you got to like eat your uh, vegetable before you get to it. And there's a dip, yeah. But like <laughs> season one gets progressively better. Season two is amazing. Season three down then up again. Mm. And like now it's season something, four. It? <laughs> I didn't finish. Lost. See, I didn't. See I, haven't season, <laughs> I haven't seen season three. I saw season one. And I saw season two. Wait, season two spoilers, everybody. Blah blah blah. blah. Spoilers. Um, caveat warning. Beep, beep, you can just beep, beep. leave yeah. this out. Is season two the ending where the captain of the the commander of the That's season one still. Really? I think so. When yeah. he crash lands and then he finds the AI. I think that's the beginning of season two. Actually, yeah, you're right. Really? I can't remember. It's sort of all merged into one because I started watching. Because I know it ends with him finding the AI after that long trek in the desert. Yes, yeah, the end of season two. So yeah. the end of season. Okay, so that's where I stopped. Yeah, oh. season three is good, and season four has just come out, and I haven't watched any of it yet. Well, right. season four, the first few episodes. I, d- I just didn't like, um, I didn't like the umming and ahhing of some of the characters because they do go back and forth a lot. Yeah, it's cause they get into like real moral gray zones as well. Yeah, so it's they do some pretty horrific stuff. But they, they do. Are. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you're completely right. First three episodes were very meh. And I, I almost switched off and I was like, ah, I'll just push through it. This is probably not the Shannara Chronicles. It's probably <laughs> going to get better. Um, and it and it did it got it got quite 
quite good. And um, I don't know if I like season two as much, but I think the interesting thing was the comparisons of what the kids were doing on Arthur, but then looking at the the adults on... Oh, the adults are the biggest duds that have yeah. ever been duds. And they get progressively more duddy like through the seasons. Like, yeah. But it is based on a series of YA novels, so like the teenagers are the why, heroes. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> that would make sense. Um, anyone seen the Shannara Chronicles? No. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, I made you suffer through this with me. Uh, it's very bad, Liz. You should okay. watch this. Just okay. so you can embrace it's the pain. It's very bad. You should watch it. Okay. Yes. It's the collective <laughs> pain we have to go through. Um... It's horrific. It's just very bad uh, young adult TV. It's great. Um, what else have you seen? What else have I seen? Well, as I said, I've watched a couple of these series adap- adaptations. And the other one was uh, a series of unfortunate events. Ah, yes. And You've seen... done with Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Now, I did watch the originals. I haven't read the books. I uh-huh. should have read the books a very long time ago, but I never had them. I never had access, unfortunately. But um, apart from the actor's not necessarily having to try and look like the original actors, which they did set up somehow. Um, it was really well done. The first three... Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen all okay. of them. Okay. The first three sets were just... Do you have to exactly spoiler warning this? Nah. Okay. There'll be spoilers, but yeah, nah, no spoiler warning. <laughs> um, so the first three sets, I think it was, were pretty much exactly the, the like chapters of the original movie. But... Um, then the original had, movie was like the first three books, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. But then this one, they've still got another one. I don't know. I guess they're continuing the series. I hope they are because Neil Patrick Harris does a really damn good job of being the uh, the enemy who is, or the, uh, the, uh, the antagonist who is ironically an actor. <laughs> so he acts very well as a bad actor. Now I've, I've heard it said that you, have, you don't have to be a good actor to act bad as a bad actor. But... He also acts very well as a good actor when he's not being an actor, if that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> so when the character is not being an actor, he still acts well as yes. the character. As the so, count. No, he, uh, he's fantastic. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen him in many things. Um, I know he's famous for How I Met Your Mother. And I did watch him in Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, which I loved back in the day. So... That is where I picked his face from. I was like, wow, mm. I've seen him again and he's good. He's still good. He's Isn't still good. He's just great. Doing it for a long time, hasn't he? Because he was like a child for yeah. Dee Hauser. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's been acting since he yeah. was like four years old. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he's great. It's good to see him in there. There you go. Interesting. So that is a family show, right? <laughs> Relatively, yeah. yeah sure. like it's, got, it's palatable it's to children, but it's like got dark themes. That's, but yeah, it's, 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 it yeah. leans into that. That's interesting because that's a Netflix um, original show, right? That's interesting because I don't think Netflix has a lot of family programs in their roster, at least for Australia. Well, I don't, yeah. Recently, they've dumped tons more things on there, so it's it's a bit of a. I know they have long mix now, but I don't know if that's quite family. It didn't look like it when I saw the pictures, but I haven't seen it, so I don't know. <laughs> They've got a lot of like teen movies, which they I do. know because I watched Mean Girls and now it keeps recommending mm-hmm. like really like <laughs> Audi versions yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah. Like I to think me, so. Series of Unfortunate Events probably is more teen as well. Yeah. Like a young teen probably, but it's it's certainly not like, you know, five, six year olds. Do we say tween? <laughs> do people say tween? Do they? See I like in a lot of the rings it's like if you're in your twenties though, so like that's irrelevant. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's a good show. That's yeah. what I gather. Did did well. Did fantastically. There you go. Interesting. 
Any other TV shows, movies that we need to talk about before we can move on? Nope. Nah. Sounds good. I promise <laughs> I will have something to talk about next week. Hopefully. You had one this time. I had what I had last time. We can catch up on the oh, 100 and talk okay. about it next week. We can we talk about the 100. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I will, but... And there's a new season of Downton Abbey Netflix just well not news but like they've put the latest season on there, so I mean that's my week mm-hmm. how many episodes <laughs> per season did they I don't know because it's British and so I can't keep track and they go for like an hour and then there's a Christmas special <laughs> and, like, and everything's very slow moving and then you realise you've watched like four hours on the flower show controversy yes like, it's fine but, it's what, you know probably like 20 episodes or something season I don't know but like you can't really measure it in episode. You measure it in like hours story arc. Story arcs, oh, yeah. Not hours lost. Because <laughs> they just end the episode and just like, oh, it's, okay. it's done now. We're good. Yeah, it's <laughs> the series could end yeah. literally any <laughs> any, any point. point. <laughs> it would be fine. Well, wh- what's the formula for down? Like they they follow um like one story can be several episodes, or is it usually one story per episode? I think there's like a season arc and an episode arc. Okay. kind of like. Supernatural, so that would be the big thing. Like, oh, we're we gonna lose the Abbey, and okay. then who's gonna win the flower show, like as an individual episode yeah, one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Um, I remember having a conversation with some somebody about Nordic TV, um, and how much uh, they do not pull their punches, and they don't care if it's bleak, um, and combine Nordic um, material with the BBC and you get the House of Miseries, which is Wallander. And I love Wallander. I think Wallander is one of the best. It's not really a police procedural. Um, it's like, it's like you, what you would do to a policeman if you wanted him to suffer for the rest of his life. That's what that show is. Um, Kenneth Branagh plays the main character. Great actor. Um, the way he can carry emotion, and I've talked about this multiple times last year, but I'll talk about it again. Because there is a new season that should drop on Netflix, but it is already available on DVD, and you should pick it up. Wallander is one of those shows that even if you don't like murder mysteries or cop shows, <laughs> you should watch it just because of how well that show does atmosphere and um, the way you can build up characters um, with saying very, very little. So it's a great show. Um, so Talking of actors carrying emotion... Mm-hmm. Um, you remember the the, the dude from Game of Thrones, Carl Drogo? Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. Momoa. I watched him in Frontier, and he still carries the same expression. <laughs> what? He's Wait, he's carried it for he's several. Carl Drogo in the American Frontier. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wow. <laughs> I watched him eat a salad one time. Oh. I can't remember if he was doing the same expression, but. <laughs> <laughs> But he I was very tall. It. Yes, <laughs> he is tall. Yes, he is. Yeah. So was it was it good? It's all right. It's it's an average show on the um, American frontier conflict between uh, British trade companies and and uh, settlers and and Indians stuff like that. Mm. It was all right. I haven't finished it yet, but but he still looks like he does in Game of Thrones. He looks like Cal Drogo. <laughs> he still I got those thick eyebrows and keeps the, the frown, the glowering <laughs> look. Yeah, well, but he's the beard was stick on in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, was it? Yeah, and he said really? that it was because I went to a convention one time, and he said that it was really weird because he had to grow the other facial hair around it, but not have this bit. So, like, he'd go out in normal life with like a gap. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's amazing. Just like the handlebar. Yeah, and like just. <laughs> yeah, a gap. Yeah. Uh, That's really strange. There you go. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's move on. Because as much as we like to convince you this is not a pop culture 
uh, podcast. It is a writing podcast where we talk about intellectual topics. And we really don't because we talk about writing in all its various forms. And today we're going to talk about the business of being a writer. And specifically, not even just the business, because I guess that carries a connotation like we make money. Um, but it's more like moving on from projects as a writer. How does one leverage enough... Um, I guess not as a writer to move on from one project to another. We pick ourselves up, we work for two years on a project and might net us just enough money to keep going and then we move on to something else that may or may not do the same thing. Um, and so, Liz, you, you were the editor for VoiceWorks for two years. Um, immediately after that, talk to me about the next couple months of that. So I knew from the beginning that VoiceWorks was a two-year fixed contract. So I always knew yep. exactly when I was going to end. So I kind of, having finished up student media a few years before that, I had gone through like the weird kind of, for lack of a better word, grief of mm. finishing up a project that you invest so much emotionally, physically, mm. yeah. and time-wise in. So I put measures into place this time so that I wouldn't sort of be like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. So I applied for a grant to go to the Hong Kong Film Festival which I got, and it was coincidentally right after my tenure finished. So I did my final launch, and literally six hours later, I was on a plane to Hong Kong um, yeah. with the worst illness of my life, um, which is fortunate because the guy next to me was also very sick, so we didn't like yeah. hate each other because we were both just individually <laughs> suffering on the plane yep. um, and I guess inoculated against each other's diseases because of our immune system like, no, we've got, we're doing enough. We're yeah. doing time for this. So um, I had three weeks to kind of get out of my routine, come back and start a new routine, which mm-hmm. I found really helpful because if I just kind of woke up the next week and was like, oh, I don't have a, a workplace to go to. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. And I decided to do full-time freelance when I came back and I wasted so much time because the work expense to fill the time you have and it depends on what kind of worker you are. And I spent three weeks getting the bare minimum projects done. So I, I decided to go back to my old part-time job that I had before VoiceWorks, which mm-hmm. is working at a cinema. And I got a lot more freelance work done once I had a structure yeah. to my day, okay, like yeah. limitations on my time. Because if you have a full day, you go, oh, well, I'll just do it later. Whereas if you have to do a four or five hour shift, you're like, oh, well, then I got to get that done yep. around it. Okay. So yeah, I gave myself scaffolding to work around. Otherwise, I will just watch... Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Now, th- th- that putting yourself some time constraints is interesting, especially with talking to other writers. We're having uh, the next podcast will be with Ma- uh, Michael Pryor, and he's someone who worked full time and then uh, wrote for, for the majority of it. And then only in the last, what, five or six years, he quit his full time job and then is writing full time. Hmm. So he had enough, I guess, of that structure of just knowing what to do to keep going when the job um, was gone. Um, it's interesting because writers, especially emerging writers, you mentioned freelancing, and in my notes I've got freelancing is tough, right? <laughs> um, because that's something that requires not just being able to write, but being able to contact people, being able to speak to editors and you know pitch uh, in a certain way. Like, what was that process for you? So I've been on both sides of that process, which I found really helpful, mm. like as an editor and a writer as an editor you have to keep in mind that the people pitching to you are people with feelings and are waiting to hear back from you Hmm. and so as a writer i've experienced silence like not even oh no not not now we don't want this piece just nothing and you're like can i send it to someone else was it terrible like you don't 
no. So like you have to sort of develop a thick skin as a writer and expect to hear nothing or no before a yes. So if you sort of go, everyone's going to think my work is great and everything's going to be accepted, you're going to get cut down as much as the unpopular character in an Enid Blyton book very quickly. <laughs> so you have to just go in not expecting things, but you have to sort of find your worth within yourself mm. and also know how best you work. So I learned how to pitch from a WikiHow article where I Googled how to pitch. And they're like, this is a way to pitch. Yeah. And I developed a template from there, which I've adapted over time for different things. So like I I made a video on how to pitch actually um, really late one night for a festival. So that's floating yeah. around the internet somewhere. But the key points are be specific to the publication. Editors hate it when you um, obviously are descending to 20 sir, Yeah. 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 Um, and for a section that they don't have and that kind of thing. Um, what, you, what your article is um, and why you specifically should be writing it, not someone else. So okay. like, if you have those things in it, then it's good. Mm. Mm-hmm. And why this publication? Okay. Um, from freelancing, I suppose, there's also another caveat where people look for jobs within organizations mm. as well, like contract work, but similar to what you did in voice work, but I guess for a limited period of time. Um, more limited, I guess. Um, and that is another step, which is a little bit more difficult. What, you know, what do you think that step is for emerging writers? Do you think that is a step that you need to, you can do, or do you think there's something else you should be doing before that? I think with emerging writers, there's a temptation to say yes to everything and go for everything, even if it's not what you're interested in, even if it's not being paid. And I think that's a bad attitude and that makes the industry worse but it's mm. understandable because you're worried that you won't have other opportunities mm. but so I take what you can get kind of attitude yeah. yeah so I think you need to sit down and think what is my ultimate goal what am I interested in and then only pick things to go for or accept that are relevant to that or at least tangentially relevant to your interests because if you're like oh I'm gonna go intern at this poetry publication when you have no poetry aspirations because it becomes a thing that's available to you you're taking up the space for someone who might appreciate it more and also you're not benefiting yourself um and you also have to value your work from the very outset so it's tricky one about money but like Mm. generally my rule of thumb if this someone is getting paid you should be getting paid as well even if you're just starting out Mm. so you got to pick wisely yeah and relevantly Mm. is (coughs) What I've learned through bitter experience, I guess. Hmm. With hmm. There's also that other end of the spectrum of trying to get into work is that the idea is that networking is an important function within the writing industry. Um, and last year we had on the podcast Sandy Seeger. She was talking about how process of networking. Um, how important is that to you? Is networking something that you put yourself into, you have to do? Or is it something that you're like, no, I, I can just rely on pitching and in, in that regard? I think all industries, will, or with very few exceptions, rely on community. I don't like networking as a term because it just feels kind of blah yeah. to have to be like, oh, we're all at this function to yeah. like see what we can get from one another. <laughs> And corporate, like, corporate term, yeah. Yeah, course, yeah. like <laughs> what what synergy can we best synergize? Like it's just like I understand that's the reality of yeah. a lot of fields and stuff. Um, like as someone who is quite socially awkward, I 
I don't think I could ever sort of set out to go to a networking event like they have. I'm, I'm not even sure what it would count as one. I think just naturally you get to know people who are interested in the same field as you. Mm. So I've never sort of gone, I need to know this person, this person, this person mm-hmm. to get to where I want to go because I feel like that's not a good way to be a good person and it's not a good way to <laughs> be mm. happy in yourself. Like you hang around the people that are interested in you. Like it's good to seek advice from people, I think. Like if you are looking to further your your skills in this particular area or if you want to know more, definitely approach people and like politely and ask if you can learn from them. But yeah, I think there's a difference between finding relevant mentors and advice and networking for the sake of having a glittering friends list. Mm, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I could see that. The, the interesting thing is it's also, I guess, there was this, when I was going into the, like trying to, to push myself into more of a full-time writing role, um, it was curious because there was the option of being like, oh, should I do everything? Should I not just do what I'm good at or what I think I'm good at? Should I also do things that maybe is not what I do usually so I can just enter those fields and then build up some sort of a freelancing um, name, Scientific right? Scientific journal writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, I'm going to talk to you about atoms today. Um, and like, who are you? Yes, I write sword and sorcery. It's relevant. Um, but the, yeah, it's it's... That is the thing I think writers do suffer from is because we feel that we need to just, when we tell somebody, what's your job? And you say, you're a writer. And they ask you, what do you do? You can say, well, I fully write. I write everything. Mm. But that's not the reality for most people anyway. Um, I know I know a few people that do do that. They do scientific journals. And at the same time, they do fiction. Um, they're not uh, mutually exclusive. But at the same time, sometimes it's good to stick with what you're good at and what you know you can do best at. Um, it's not even necessarily that. It's that you're interested in. Like, yeah, don't, don't yeah, do it for the... You, like, you should definitely experiment and, like, challenge yourself. And if you think you might be interested in something, definitely go for mm-hmm. it. But if you know you're definitely not interested in something... But you're doing it for the... Yeah. For the, like, mark on your resume. Yeah. Like, if it's not relevant, then I think it's... A, and if, especially if it's not paid, like, then... Yeah. It's... Not a good use of your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liz, you mentioned um, uh, freelancing as a writer earlier, but what about uh, freelancing as an editor? Have you done that at all? Yeah, I just finished up um, Summer in the City of Literature, which is run through Melbourne City of Literature. It was a series where we had 10 writers pitch ideas about what it's like to spend summer, writers and artists, I should say, summer in Melbourne. And I curated that for mm-hmm. a month, which was great. Like It was a really unusual format because it was Facebook posts, so it's not the format I've usually worked in okay. where people are sending in pictures for like a 2000 word piece. Yeah. It's had to fit a different sort of idea. So that was kind of good. And I've like, also done freelance editing as well. Yeah. Like, would you have the same sort of tips as, um, as with writing, like, uh, try and, uh, find pieces to edit that, that you understand better. Like, um, say you're into fiction and somebody sends you nonfiction. You're like, well, I don't really have that kind of expertise. Do you just hand it on or do you take the work or, or you don't, you don't have that kind of experience or what, what kind of, um, I think don't factor pride into it and mm. try and always recognize where personal taste should end mm-hmm. because you want to look at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So you think what's going to work well together. It's like making a magazine, making a series over a month. Like for that one, I chose 
a cross section to make sure there's representation in poetry, in comics, in fiction, in nonfiction, in memoir. I tried to make sure there's a cross section, even though there's areas I'm stronger in than mm-hmm. others. Mm. And so if you leave pride at the door and ask for help if you need it, um, I think that's makes for a stronger ultimate work. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So that's that's when like a pulling a like a piece or a magazine or something together then. Yeah, so I'm yep. not good at editing poetry. Like I <laughs> freely admit that, and I will always yep. defer to it's someone. Not who a fun is. place to go for editing. No. Yeah. yeah I so yeah. Poets ex- don't like it either. Exactly yeah. the same as me. Somebody <laughs> came up to me and said, "Oh, Joel, do you mind if you look over this poem for me?" I said, "Sure, I'll do it." Like and tell you what I think about it. But as an editor, I got no clue because I I I wouldn't be able to tell you that I've edited this and you know done the best job I can because I can't. That's not where my area of expertise is. And that's curious. I also think when you mentioned about going back a little bit, you talked about the money aspect of like surviving because that, of course, is an, uh, it is relevant to our industry. Um, there's not a lot of money in writing, especially within Australia. There's a lot of um, funding that's slowly seeping out the door these days. Um, but specifically for writers, I think like I, I'm a, I'm not a full-time writer. I'm a part-time writer. I work, um, editing contracts on one side and then I, and then I do the things I love for no money. I, you know, and this podcast for instance is one of them. It's a podcast that is just there to get people into talking about writing. Uh, Mm. It's the same with Luke, um, and Ian, why I brought them on board. Um, but it's important to recognize that that's something I like doing. It's something that I think is interesting and uh, helpful. But where do you think that line is? Do you think there's a line where you're like, okay, this is interesting for me to do, but I could take this job that gets me more money and possibly, you know, a better rep on my resume? So there's passion projects and there's exploitation and you have to learn what's good for you. It's hard. There's n- No one can write a guide and say what works well for everyone. Mm. So, like I said, if, it, if it's a for profit publication or something like that and other people are getting paid but you're the one making the content and not getting paid then that's exploitative you need to be getting something else from the experience either contacts um from networking if we're going to jump back from that or um skilling up in an area so if a publication is saying hey come write for me i can't offer you money and we're very new um i'd be very wary because you're not getting exposure, even though that's like not good anyway. Mm, yeah. You're not getting not access to interviewees and stuff like that. Yeah. So you need to think, what am I getting for this if I'm not getting money? And if the answer is not enough, then you shouldn't do it. And <coughs> the money situation will only get worse for the industry as a whole if everyone devalues their work in this way. Mm. So I realize like that's like a philosophical sort of thing. And there's the realities of sometimes we have to do work for free for some things but you need to just choose your things Mm. carefully so i'll do like passion projects i have a pop culture website that's really dormant that i used to write for for free because that was what i enjoyed doing but i'd never ask anyone else now to go on it like if someone asked they wanted to write something for it fine but i wouldn't sort of do a call out because i can't pay um so yeah and i don't think i can offer people anything Mm. that would be worth asking them to, to do it so it's it's sort of, you've, you find your own line, but you need to think of your work as having inherent value. Mm-hmm. And you also need to think of it as, it's not just you, it's the industry. So mm-hmm. if we all sort of do more and more free work, everyone will think the arts is not valuable and will yeah. just pay us less and it'll become a self-fulfilling cycle. Mm-hmm. So I work part-time in a customer service job, so I have the freedom to choose the projects that I want to yep. do and a stable income because the invoices, you never know when they're going to get paid. Yeah, exactly. That's true enough. 
uh, Luke, you, you know, you've got a family, you have to work, you have to get money. Um, but at the same time you write and that's a part-time thing for you. So what, what's the balance for you? It becomes pretty super part-time. Mm. Depends on what other projects and things I've got going. So, um, at the start I was, um, when I had, uh, lower work times, I was doing editing for Aurealis mm. and that was, that was great. I mean, it was volunteer work, but it was, it's a very great, it's a great magazine yeah. too. Um, be editing for um, and I got to know some great people like Michael Pryor who's come on here a couple of times and um, Dirk Strasser the other managing editor so minor networking but it's also it is a high rep um, magazine within Australia mm. probably I think it is I think it is the top sci-fi and fantasy magazine yeah here so it it, it gives me something to give me to, like, to refer to and I can um references from that which um i'm not actually sure if that got in me into my next position because i did have you as the contact for that <laughs> <laughs> but um it did help it did give me some um definitely a lot of practice of editing to go into then contract editing um uh from there though um from there I haven't gone into a full a full role it's all just been like the it's been back to the um writing itself mm-hmm. yeah and and that's interesting you mentioned that and a lot of people again don't do the roles that we're saying that a lot of people don't do freelancing or, or editing or any of that people sometimes write novels and short stories <laughs> and then they have an even harder job because um, and, and last year was a classic example because I had a couple of short stories that I wanted to pitch and personal experience. Mm. Um, it's really uh, important to get a bearing on the magazines, especially the short stories that you're pitching through to understand the content, to understand uh, what mm. kind of stuff they publish before you even try to pitch to them. Mm. Because it's something that, oh, you know, hands up, free, I did this um, early on in the industry that I would pitch short stories because I thought it would just work in this magazine. And, and I read them, you know, later down the track, and I was like, I didn't do that. Um, that was a bad, bad, bad decision. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is simple things like that, that, that's a bike. It's simple things like that can, as I mentioned before, is like a modifier on a D20. You roll that dice, but you have all these modifiers you throw in, and then you get a critical hit. Yes, I know that's a very oh, strange the reference. D&D references. The D twenty references. Um, <laughs> but that I think is you know that that hard step for a lot of people because they just do prose. They do novels, which are long form, even harder than short stories. You have to wait three to four months to get a response. You might not get a response. A lot of the submission guidelines tell you if you don't get a response in three months, assume it's a no, and that's a horrible awful thing for a writer to have to deal with mm. um, because after three months you're like okay I guess I can just pitch um, I think my advice for that would be don't just wait for a response go on and do other do other projects mm. because there's nothing worse than just waiting on a, on a project that you hope will get picked up by the fairies eventually um, Luke any advice when it comes that's, to that? That's something that I've been curious about I don't know if I've got advice particularly on it but um uh, as to what you two think of um, the 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 rule, don't pitch to anyone else while you've pitched here. Multiple submissions. Multiple submissions. Ooh. Because that <laughs> that is probably the worst thing for an emerging writer to hit. It, it's because they've got. Hard. It could be a really crap book they've written. Doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. It's just sitting there waiting for 
whatever publisher it is, and there might be a 12-month waiting period, sometimes they say, don't pitch for 12 months. Mm. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you've, you've written something. You're probably eating bread and water. <laughs> and you got to wait 12 months to hear back just about anything. Like your, your rent's overdue. You, you know, yeah. it just piles up. So what, what do you guys think about these, the, how to deal with it? Would you just submit to others anyways? Or? Um, for long-form work like novels and stuff, I don't have any experience in that area. So I don't know what I would do in that situation if you'd mm-hmm. pitch to lots of different places or okay. if you would I'm not sure because that's not an area that I'm familiar with at all for short form work I'm quite against p- sending the same thing to multiple places at once just because I've been on both sides of that and mm. someone will be like okay yeah, yeah yeah this and you get back to them in a few days and like oh it's actually gone for this thing and I was like so we all had like mm. a big conversation about it and that's like a waste of all of our time like if you do do that fine but be communicative mm-hmm. so if your work gets picked up and you've pitched it elsewhere just be like sorry it's been picked up and straight away do that but i do think it's safer to target to a publication because if you're scattershotting to everywhere then you're less likely to get picked up anyway mm-hmm. mm. and tailoring especially with short stories tailoring a, sh- a story to, to match a publication is important um, it was curious last year uh, was eye-opening for me because I didn't do a lot of short form uh, work before that um, and it's a it's a learning process of like trying to figure out what works and understanding the mechanics of a, of a completely different form that I, I hadn't written for because I only write long form um, either the shortest thing I'd ever done was a novella so hmm. moving on to short form fiction for me was a challenge and so yeah I, I didn't multi- uh, I didn't send um, uh, to multiple publications because I didn't feel that it was fair in that in that respect, um, and I, I didn't think the work was targeted enough mm. to to that extent because they were quite niche. So maybe that's a different example, and maybe other people have. Um, and I think it also matters because uh, I was writing a lot of genre um, short stories, which I think is a little bit different to if you're writing, say, um, realist fiction or drama. Or, you know, it's a little bit different um, because genre fiction is very specific in that in that aspect of like the type of genre fiction that you're writing in as well um so yeah you know there's there's weird <laughs> there's that's a it's a weird cake of, of multiple layers and i only have a smidgen of it um but yeah mm. um any final thoughts liz luke before we close nope mm-hmm. that's it well we've just dumped a lot of advice and hopefully maybe one percent of it was um we should sum up like networking choose your area and try and tailor yourself and your job opportunities for it mm-hmm. value and, your um, work yeah your work don't rely on one project yeah yeah there you go good thank you very much ladies and gentlemen um we we have an announcement um i don't know technically if i can announce it but i think <laughs> i can announce it so i'll say it on this podcast we'll see i'll listen yeah it, it does come out it, this podcast is will come out and when you're listening to it, which will be a Monday, but for us, it's a couple of days before Monday. Um, so I hope it'll be fine. But we're going to be in the Gold Coast um, on March the 15th, 16th, and 17th um, to cover the Somerset Celebration of Literature. And that is a fantastic festival that we've heard a lot about from multiple guests. We have one of their former guests on next week, Michael Pryor. We've had George Ivanoff and um, multiple others. Uh, we're hoping to go there. We'll be in the blazing sun, um, probably in a full suit jacket, 
and talking to authors, shotgunning them with questions. It should be a lot of fun. It'll be three straight days of us interviewing, and if you're there, you should totally come and spy on us. We're in the middle. I heard last year was, what, 20,000 tickets or something? There's a lot of foot traffic. Come on by to the middle of the plaza, and you'll see us there. So thank you very much for paying attention to us last year, and we would love it if you could continue listening. This is a completely free resource, um, and we enjoy bringing it to you. Uh, You can find The Morning Bell, themorningbell.com.au, and the podcast archives are all there waiting for you to dig in. Liz, do you have any social media links that you would like to plug? I'm on Twitter as at Elizabeth Flux, which is my name, so... Mm -hmm. It's not as embarrassing as my old email address from teenagehood, which I will not repeat. <laughs> there so, you go. Yeah. Sparkling <laughs> Terrible puns. Fantastic. Yes, puns. We didn't get to talk about Uh-oh. it. We won't talk about it. I'll just tweet lots of puns at you now that I know that you hate them. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I do like some of them, though, because I like them and I'm just like, mm, they're pretty good, though. Yeah. Well, they're all great. They're, so. they're pretty. <laughs> mm. Luke, another person who tweets very bad puns. Mostly I retweet them. Yes, that's true. You do retweet. And you do retweet from my feed. Yes. Talk to me. Yes. Okay. Um, you can still find me at the Soul Shard on Twitter or at... What's my website? TheSoulShard.com. I'm trying to think. <laughs> it's I, been I a have while. The, it's have, been no, it's mostly months. the at. I'm trying to figure out how to say it without the at there somewhere yeah. because that's just Twitter. <laughs> that's true. Um, yes. Do check out both... Um, I am on thepenofjoel.com and at thepenofjoel where I don't tweet. I tweet about the podcast. So follow me if you want to hear about announcements of a podcast and that's pretty much it. And dog gifts. One particular one. The bulldog one. It's very good. Thank oh. you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Gifts. And I swear he said gifts. gifts. He had a gift for us. Know. I'm like, what is the gift he's got for it's me? It's a gift. <laughs> that, you get that Liz, book. <laughs> it's a gift or a gif? Like, it's gif, but everyone says gif. And, like, that's true. Wikiality. Like, yeah. if enough people say that it's true, then it becomes fake news. No. <laughs> hey, <laughs> alternate, that, alternate will never mean alternative. That, decimate. Will never mean destroy completely. There you go. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>